Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Friday with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. Okay, before we get into this episode of Friday. I want to remind you that my 2019 mastermind is filling up quickly in terms of the applications rolling in. Now, I've not started my pre-qualification phone calls yet, but remember, this is on a first-come, first-served basis for at least getting your applications in line. I go through them all. I look for the best fit, and then I set up a phone call to see if it's a great fit between you, me, and our existing group. So, if you are at all interested, go to workhardplayhardpodcast.com forward slash mastermind. So the mastermind is the fastest way I know of to 10x your business, up-level your tribe, and get a clear path to grow your business and your relationship to the next level. It's like a significant shortcut for you. So Look at it this way. What if by this time next year, your profits 10X and you spent less time working and had more time with your family and your friends doing the things that light you up? And what if you did it with the highest level entrepreneurs on the planet? And what if you learned all of this while you were experiencing some of the most amazing adventures places, and cities in the world. Stop the what ifs and choose, make a decision to make this happen. So go to workhardplayhardpodcast.com forward slash mastermind and fill out the application. In the mastermind, I'll put you into a group of high level achievers where everyone is at your level or higher, and you'll be in three different masterminds throughout the year going to three different locations and being a part of what I call an experiential learning environment. I learn best by doing cool things with cool people and not in the back of a Holiday Inn conference room. So I redesigned the entire mastermind concept and made it fully immersive experiences. I made the long conference room tables disappear, you know, the one with the mints and the water, it's all gone. So who's it for? Any upper six-figure earner that is at $300,000 or above, or those that have just barely squeaked over their first million and are looking to learn how to get past the multiple seven-figure range year after year. So even if you're just curious, go to workhardplayhardpodcast.com forward slash mastermind and click apply. Do not let this negative self-chatter get in the way. We all have it, by the way. Power through it. Power through it. You can do it. All right, let's get on with the episode. Well, Kimberly Murgatroyd, how the hell are you? I'm good, but uh, you got a little man flu going on. I do have a man flu, and you know it is a clinical diagnosis, right? I know that you just think that this is something that I made up, but this is actually a real thing. Google it. 
Okay. Because <laughs> Google is the answer. Ladies, you got a husband, a spouse, a partner, a dad, a, a brother. A significant other, if you will. Any of those that, you know, gets a slight tickle in their throat and all of a sudden it's like a full-on man flu. First of all, and by the way, when you start any such sentence with first of all, first of all, <laughs> it is no slight tickle. I have... Uh, the guillotine yeah. that is in my throat there's right no now. There's no drama there. No, and do you know like- there, There's no exaggerated drama. Do you know like when people are about to be killed and they have to walk the gallows? Well, the, the guillotine is like, I have a mix of the gallows, like the walk to the gallows is like the bottom of my throat. But when you get to the top, that's where the guillotine is. Yeah. So I know that <laughs> I know that, that may perhaps seem like an exaggeration considering that I'm actually talking and yeah. sounding like I'm functioning. And by the way, welcome to my life. You know what we're going to talk about today, honey? Ironically, living to 100, which can you do it with man flu? I can do it with man flu. You know, I remember right where I was when I heard this concept. I was listening to my new man crush. Yeah, I said it. My new man crush, which is Tom Bilyeu. And I have finally been able to pronounce his name. And the reason why I can pronounce his name is because he- He was he, in front of you? No, no, no. He had, yeah, I was with him. We had dinner uh, in LA. Uh, oh, did I just drop that? Um, oh, hold and, on. Let me pick that up for yeah, you real you, quick. Thank you. But he had a he had a guy on, Jim Quick, who does um, like memory enhancement. And he was saying, you know, like, what's something that you want to remember? He said, well, why don't you give people a way to remember my name? Because nobody can actually say it right. And so he looks at him, he said, um, I will imagine that he's got big ears that come out like Dumbo, like his his words, not mine. So I was going to say, that's aggressive. No, 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 he said that. So he made this analogy where you imagine like a duck bill coming out of his nose with giant monkey ears. And I just made that picture in my head. So like all I can think of is bill you with the ears. It's really weird, but that's how I remember it. I digress. His name is Tom Bill you. And he had a guy by the name of Peter Atia, who is a medical doc. He's Tim Ferriss's MD. He's a very famous medical doctor. He has a podcast. Guy's like a genius. And the conversation that they had really, really struck me, probably because I'm getting older. I'm 52 years old now. And he said, you know, what I'm training for these days is I'm training to be a kick-ass 100-year-old. And so he goes, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I've trained for fitness competitions. I've trained for triathlons. I've trained for Ironman. But at the end of the day, really what I want to be training for now at this stage of my life is how am I going to show up as a hundred year old? In other words, will I have the balance to be able to bend down to pick up my kids. And he used an example. He said, you know, years ago, I used to be able to do squats and I can close my eyes and I can bend, you know, I can, I can go into a squat position with one leg forward and do reps and then switch legs. Now with my eyes open, I can't even do one of them because my balance is starting to go off. So the first thing that goes is your balance. And so he said, I'm switching all of my training to be able to address what being like at a hundred years old is. So that's kind of a long intro, but that's, uh, that's what I wanted to talk about today. That's awesome. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but first, you know, 
I did a lot of research on this in multiple areas of how can you be a kick-ass 100-year-old? And you know, he talked about the body. So I think that's where we got the idea for this podcast. But there's other things too, obviously, right? It's not just, can your body function through now through 100? There's also mindset as well as diet that's going to play a part in this. So today we're going to talk about all three. Aren't you so excited? Well, what I love about um, our marriage and our, our co-hosting podcastness is that you took the ball, uh, you, you took my 100-year-old kick-ass ball. <laughs> I almost said my 100-year-old kick-ass balls. I was like, um, you have 100-year-old you, balls? Is uh, that really what's going on right now? By the way, I digress. No, 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 no. We can't talk about balls. Are you still going to be married to me when I have 100-year-old balls? Um, There's a long pause there. Well, well listen, who, listen, who's getting divorced at 100 years old? Do you see anybody walking around saying, hey, baby, at 100, it's not happening. All right. So listen, we're, the first thing we're going to talk about, not your balls, is going to be this Japanese philosophy called Aikigai. Aikigai. Did you just do that? What are you doing? What is that? Aikigai. I didn't know how to say it, and so I had to Google you, how to say it. Are you it. actually Googling on the air? <laughs> I am, and I hope everybody heard Google tell me, actually it was YouTube, told me how to say this Japanese philosophy called, we're going with Aikigai, because that's what you know the Google said. Aikigai, aikigai, aikigai. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this is the mindset of people that live to 100. So Aikigai is your reason for being. And I freaking love this. There's a book about this entire community all about Aikigai and how it plays a role in these uh, centenarians living such long lives. And you know, the premise is, what if you could live a longer life by just doing more of what you love to do the most. Well, let's give them a little bit of background. Where is this community? How does it relate to the blue zones? Like, like, like loop me in there. Okay, so there is a community in Okinawa, which is one of the blue zones. We're gonna talk about blue zone stuff in a minute, but it's called, I'm going with Ojimi. Oh, Ojimi, sounds good, right? Okay, so Ojimi is a village of 3,000 people. And it is the one place in the world that has the longest living people. It's known for their slow pace. Like everyone's going to go, what do they do? They live a slow pace. They have ocean views, community gatherings. They have personal vegetable gardens and they smile laugh and joke a lot. And they live- You see, this is why I'm moving to the beach in California, right? right? I want the ocean views. <laughs> I want my vegetable garden. I want to smile a lot. Yeah. Okay, see, and I don't even have to speak Japanese. It's perfect. So did we say it's guy? See, I'm going to have to bring that lady back. Gonna, well, let's go, just for the sake of this conversation. See, somebody's, no matter what you do, somebody's going to correct you anyway. So okay, let's just say, I, let's say guy, and we're admittedly getting it wrong. So just know that we're saying it the wrong way. Yes. So what I love about it is that they really thrive on this, this guy, this doing more of what you love. And because they, they thrive on this philosophy, it is like... They're truly living a life of purpose. And that is what I think a lot of people are probably even living, living, wow, okay, living for, but listening to podcasts like ours and you know our friend Lori Harder and You're Happy and all of these podcasts because they're trying to live a life of purpose. And that is basically what this philosophy is about. It's about 
um, purpose. It's about passion. It's about finding your meaning, your mission, your vocation. What are you going to do? Your drive. And you brew that all together, distill it down, and it is your Ica guy. That's what we're going with. All right. So I'm reading a book now by a guy by the name of Robert Greene, who wrote a book called Mastery. And it could not be any more timed, apropos, as they say, because the first chapter on mastery is about how the people who have tapped into true mastery are the ones, and I know you're about to talk about this, Kim, but are the ones that have a natural inclination towards something. So it talks about how if you take the time to really listen to the things that are that you're curious about, that you want to learn more, and perhaps that you're naturally inclined to, those are the things are just drawn to. Those are the things that you will develop mastery in, and i.e. a happier life because you're doing something that is sort of in your DNA and he did he did some analysis and you know every single one of us has a has a DNA that's specific genetically to us right we all know that like you can't like there's no two people that walk around with the exact same DNA we're all 100% different unless you're kind of twinning unless you're kind of twinning right but the idea is that your DNA is so unique that your natural inclination is just as unique. So if that's the case, if we have a natural inclination that's inside of our DNA and we are forced based on social programming, based on what our parents tell us to do, based on what our environment is, you know, if you're somebody growing up in America versus somebody growing up in the Middle East, you're going to have you know, cultural forces and social forces and parental forces that shape the decisions that you make as opposed to just saying, hmm, I wonder what it is I'm interested in. So real quick. I could guy. I could guy. I could guy. Do you really like that? Are you, do we going to have to get you like a red button that just goes on the table? You just hit it and everything. I, I think guy. I'm going to have to because I, I just want to say it right. So I love all of that. And the, what, what you just said is exactly the way that someone would find their guy, right? Their, their reason for being. And here's the lens that I want you to look through when you listen to this, because we're going to talk about now ways that you can find that in yourself. What is your reason for being? What I want you to think about is not just you, okay? Because you, you're probably 20, 30, 40, um, maybe 50 or older like this fine fellow over here with man flu. So you are one thing, but what about your kids? Because people will, right now, we're living in this state of um, more conscious living where we're trying to find our passion. My parents didn't go through life trying to find their passion. It wasn't so mainstream. And now we're living in this world where everybody is trying to find their passion and live their passion and live with authenticity duplicate that with your kids because don't duplicate what your parents did, which might have been be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a teacher, get a good job, nine to five, da, 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 go to college, click all the buttons, check all the boxes, get a house, get a, you know, white fence and a dog and a cat and whatever. Like, don't do that to your kids. If you right now yourself are thinking, I need to find my reason, or maybe you found your reason, really cultivate in them what they're passionate about. So the first thing you said, Rob, dead on the money, was follow your curiosity 
and your intuition. That's how you go back to your Ikigai and you find that self-awareness of what you love and then surround yourself with the people that you love and stay true to that internal compass. And that is the key to living in this purpose and living in this Ikigai. So I think as parents, you know, we often try to push our kids down this path versus seeing what they actually are curious about and what they're, where their, their internal compass leads them. Yes, completely. And I want to share a quick story with you that I learned from Tom Bilyeu on exactly what it is that you're talking about. And here's what he said to me. Well, sorry, he didn't say it to me. See, I'm confusing. You're, my, you're confusing, I'm confusing a personal conversation I'm confusing with, a with me listening to a podcast with actually me hanging out with Tom in his house. I feel like we got. I got my feet up. Now you were at his house. Yeah, I'm at his house. We're smoking oh cigars. You know what I mean. We're just talking about life. Hashtag no. not at his house. No hashtag not at his house. But here's what he said on the podcast. It was really fucking. Oh, it was just. Oh, I cursed. You're is allowed. That, oh, you're I, allowed. I'm this allowed? is your podcast. Oh yeah, I could do that. Okay, good. <laughs> See what happens oh when you have God. man flu? You get just all disoriented. Oh, you're so so now you have the guillotine and you're starting to get disoriented. We don't pronounce the L in it's guillotine, honey. Guillotine. Isn't I'm your so mom a sorry. French speaker? You also call it a compass, which is well, really how do you say it? Compass. How do you spell it? C O M P. The the last part that you're screwing up. How do you spell it? <laughs> I think it's A S S. Isn't Comp it? Ass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here, here's what he said. So he started this. He started this company, right? So for those of you that don't know, uh, Tom started a company called uh, Quest that he sold for hundreds of millions of dollars recently. It's the nutritional bars. But before that, he was in um, a, a partnership with three guys. And he specifically started this tech company with the purpose of making X amount of dollars. It was all about the money. It's all he wanted. His stated goal was I wanted to make this much money. I wanted to have it in this period of time. And him and his two partners were working their tails off for years. And he was miserable. He was coming home exhausted, emotionally drained, physically drained. It wasn't worth the trade-off. And one day, he came to his partners and he said, look, I know that I, on paper I'm worth, I think the number was 50 million on paper or something like that. Um, but I'm giving it all up because I cannot do this anymore. I, I've realized that what I need is to have something that I'm passionate about, something I'm inspired about, something that I love to do. I need community. I need to help people and blah, blah, blah. And his partner said, look, you know, we could do this with or without you. We want to do it with you. What do you want to do? And he said, I want to start, I want to start fresh and I want to start a company, a real company based on people. And that's how Quest was born. They had absolutely nothing because all their money that they had was on paper. They folded the company. They started a new company that was based completely around core values and all of the things that inspired him. You know, if I cut to the punchline, sold it for a couple of hundred million dollars last year. But while he was waiting for the transfer of the couple of hundred million dollars that he got for his percentage, his wife said to him, so what are you going to do? You got a couple hundred million dollars. What are you going to do now? He said, I'm going back to work. And he went back to work, not as an obsession. He went back to work because he designed an environment that he freaking loved and he wanted to be a part of. So I think that that goes to... I, 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 I. <laughs> you know, I know another story of a guy that once upon a time wanted to build 10 chiropractic offices in 10 years, cash out for 3 million and go live in sunny California and almost had a heart attack in the process. And then he decided 
no, I'm not going to do that. This is not my passion. This is not what I love to do. I'm going to change it. And he started podcasting. And then he built a mastermind. Who is that guy? And then he's moving to California. In Who six is months. that? Who is that guy? It's this crazy guy. His name is Rob Murgatroyd. Do you know him? Or Sophia says it's this guy that has striped hair because I have gray yeah. hair. So when, when <laughs> she's trying when she's trying to talk about me, she goes, "It's this guy who has a mane." She calls my beard a mane. It's this guy <laughs> who has a mane with striped hair. Yes, <laughs> yes, I remember. Isn't that crazy? I remember very distinctly, uh, I guess it was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, something 15, like that. Yeah. yeah. Where uh, we sat down with a management coach and he said, you know, what do you want? And I said, I want money. I want money. Well, and what you said is you want to get out. And, I want to get and, out of carpet. And he yeah. crafted this money-based goal that was just not what you were going to do. But the point is that all you wanted to do was retire from chiropractic. It didn't fuel you. It wasn't something you were passionate about. You were amazing at it but it's not something that fueled you. And what's funny is in my research on Ikigai, 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 I'm gonna have to bring the lady back from YouTube now. Thank you. Ikigai, Ikigai. That the Japanese don't actually have a word for retire. And by the way, if anyone's listening and you know the Japanese word for retire, consult Google and the articles I read. Okay. Well, if, 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 I'm if, just that's, <laughs> if that statement is true, that's what it says, Mr. Google. Mr. Google. If that statement is true, how fascinating is it that there isn't a word because words have power, right? So Tony Robbins said that Eskimos have 47 different words for snow. Wet snow, dry snow, fluffy snow, flat snow. Like I'm making that snow up. Snow that you don't even snow know. Snow that you don't even know, right? It's like Forrest Gump, sideways rain. But because they have so many different, you know, layers of distinctions for it because it's so prevalent. Well, let's take the reverse of that. There's no word for retire for retirement. So yeah. what does that leave? Because it's they're they are driven to lead a purpose driven life, truly. And you would never retire from that. And that's just, it's the key factor in your longevity and happiness. So and- I'll give you an example of this. Um, for those of you that are into docs, watch a documentary called Jiro. I mean, doctors. <laughs> no, 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 documentaries. Uh, watch a documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. And it's basically a guy who has spent I don't know, 70 years making the exact same sushi and they ask him how he's doing with it. And he's like, I'm getting better, but I'm not quite where I need to be. He has devoted his life to making the sushi, I'm gonna say perfect. You can't get into the place. There's like, you know, 12 seats and everybody comes because he's a master. He gets there early to work on it. But the point is that when you have, when you're somebody that is, and and he's he's probably- living in your kitchen. He's probably 90 now. And he, check this out. The people who apprentice under him, they have to do it for 20 years. 20 years. But th- that's that's for the love of the game right there. That is the love of the game. So things, and on the other side of this, okay. So powerful forces, like we just talked about with that guy, Rob Murgatroyd with the striped hair and the mane. Powerful forces like money, power, attention, likes on Instagram, success. Those are distractions from your ikigai. So don't confuse those things with actually finding your purpose, your meaning, the thing that truly truly drives you, the thing you would never retire from. And I'll give you I'll give you a, a really fair example. So right now as you know, um, at the beginning of this podcast I announced the uh, the masterminds. It's kind of like what we call a bumper. It's a commercial, whoop, whoop. right? And 
you know, look, with any business, there's marketing, right? There's marketing and there's sales and, and all of that stuff. And this go-arounds, I am absolutely committed to staying true to why I'm doing this mastermind and what I'm after. I am after creating a freaking amazing experience for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that's gonna blow their mind. And because it blows their mind, it's gonna uplevel their business, their life, et cetera, because that's what I feel inside. And it's easy with any business that you get into, it's so easy to get lost in the mechanics of the business and lose the vision of why you're doing it in the first place. And I'm not doing that this time. I'm so proud of you for that because it is easy to get lost in that. So, all right, kids, I hope you're sitting down because that was just our first thing we were talking about today. Oh, <laughs> so, you know you know what it is? It's the man flu, honey. It's, it's the got, man flu. It's got me, it's got me talking, all but right. go ahead. We'll, uh, we'll, so, we'll wrap this thing along. So we're moving on to diet, right? So that's the mindset. Now we're moving on to what does the diet look like? And now is when we're going to talk about the blue zones. And if you haven't um, heard of it before, the blue zones, there's a book. There was a guy did a long study on the areas of longevity and happiness around the world. The people that live the longest lives in the world. And what do they all have in common? Uh, in common? So first of all, there are five uh, blue zones. Ikaria in Greece, not to be confused with I I Ika guy. How about that? For, you, did, for no, you, did, you did good. You did good. Um, Okinawa, we talked about, and a region in Sardinia, Loma Linda, California, and a special um, Nicoya. I'm going with Peninsula, Peninsula in Costa Rica. So those are the five blue zones, and they have the highest concentration of centenarians in the world. They move their bodies a lot. They have strong social circles that wait for it, reinforce healthy behaviors. So who your tribe is, who your inner circle is, that is everything. It will literally dictate your health among other things. They also take the time to de-stress and they are part of communities a lot often, they're religious communities, but they are also very committed to their families. So those are those are the overriding things that all of the blue zones have in common. And we're gonna move into diet in a second. Let me make a comment on the, uh, the religious aspect of it, because I heard him interviewed, uh, the guy who created the blue zones. And one of the, the interviewers said, you know, is there, is there a specific religion that they were following? And he said, no, he said, they are all religious, but it, there, every single one of them had, like, for example, Loma Linda is a Christian scientist, I think. Seventh-day Adventist. Sorry, Seventh-day Adventist, right? So every one of them had a different religion, but the, but the point is that what the religion does is it creates the social circles where they meet on Sundays, they have they pray, they meditate. And it's positive. They, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's upbeat. So it wasn't specific to a religion. All right. So here now to qualify as a blue zone, here's what you have to have. You have to be largely free of afflictions like heart disease, obesity, cancer, diabetes, and man flu. Uh, you also have some, some <laughs> there are some similarities in the diet, right? So when I look at this and I go, okay, so these five communities, they have low heart disease, low obesity, low cancer, low diabetes. Well, they're doing something right, obviously. So here is what is similar in what they are doing. They stop eating when they are 80% full. So they're not gavones and overeating and shoving every last morsel of food into their pie hole. 
they are stopping before they are full. And that helps. That was them. such a Bronx tale of you. Did like you that like was it? like Brooklyn right there. Well, I married a, I married Brooklyn. So <laughs> for those of you that are following along, I, I'm not exactly sure what the word for pig is in Italian, but it's it. This is Brooklyn. Gavone. This is Brooklynese for pig. Yeah, gavone, something like that. Go ahead. Um, so you're stopping eating 80 percent at 80 percent max capacity, right in, in the tummy. You're going to eat your smallest meal of the day late in the afternoon or the evening. So, you know, what is it? Each eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a something and dinner like a pauper. I can't remember the middle one, but eat your smallest meal in the evening, which is the opposite of what most people in America do is they, you know, eat little meals all day and then they have this massive dinner and they do the opposite in these blue zones. Now, the blue zones also eat mostly plants, especially beans, they very rarely eat meat. I remember, Rob, when we were watching the documentary on Icaria in Greece, small island, um, actually very close to Mykonos. We took a cruise on a, a yacht this summer and saw the island. It was pretty pretty amazing. I want, I want to go next summer. But they, you know, Greeks are known for like eating meat and lamb. We eat lamb, like my big fat Greek wedding, we eat lamb. But on that one particular island, they rarely eat meat and when they do, it's usually a special occasion. And so they have, you know, goats and lambs and all of these animals, but they very, very, very rarely Don't eat Don't you meat. wonder why that is though? Like how that happened? Because like, it, there's not a Greek I know who who doesn't like, you know, kill a yeah. lamb just walking down the street. <laughs> like how, how did that, ha- is that interesting to you? Like, how did that happen My there? guess is maybe they didn't have as many. I don't know. And so it was, maybe it was scarcity at first. I'm not sure, but- it's what they do. So when they do eat it, it's in a very small portion and it's very infrequently and maybe, you know, um, once or a couple times a month. Uh, I mentioned they eat a lot of beans, legumes, healthy fats. Here's one that we're going to cheers to tonight. They drink alcohol moderately and regularly. So one to two glasses. And I know another thing in Nicaragua, they have this like, I can't remember the name of it. It's kind of like an ouzo that they start, but it's cloudy and they start their day with it often. And so Yeah, it's right? a it's a it's a digestive. Di- digestive digestivo. What are they yeah. called? God, what is that called? I can't remember. Yeah. But um so drinking alcohol moderately. So again they're Mustica. Not, it's like Mustica. It's, it's like it's Mustica, like but, Mustica, it's not but it's different. Mustica. Yeah. They all drink herbal teas. Oh, so they drink really? wine, they drink alcohol moderately and Should I drink herbal tea? Herbal teas. They don't eat a lot of meat. They drink they eat more plant based diet. Do we have herbal tea in the house? Of course. Which one should I try? I'll show you. I, I, what do you want me to tell you what it is? <laughs> yeah. It's a green tea. It's amazing. I got it at uh, Sprouts and I enjoy it. Do you want to put it in the show notes too? Yeah, let's okay. try it. So I have really been looking into this because you know we did a show on Whoop, which was very popular. I, we should have been an affiliate because everybody freaking bought a Whoop after the show. But I won't go into the Whoop. Just Google uh, Google Whoop so you can understand what I'm talking about. But one of the things that, I've realized is there is so much science to show that one to two glasses is not going to kill you. Really not. One it actually is, helps you sleep. Yeah. One is one is enough to take the edge off and relax you in a positive way. And two kind of goes in that, but we're talking four ounces, not the fishbowl that I drink at night, but, but really just two of those. Honesty right there. Once you go past two, 
it starts to freaking crash your, your cardiovascular. Everything plummets. Everything plummets. My deep sleep plummets, my HRV plummets, my resting heart rate rises. Everything changes after three. So and if you go on a bender like I did last week with a friend of mine that just opened a new restaurant, I'm still freaking recovering. And that was like five days ago. So there, I can unequivocally, is that the word? Unequivocally? Equivocally? <laughs> we'll go with it. Is there a B? Icaria. <laughs> Tell you that try. two glasses should be the max. Of, you need to think of yourself two like glass max. Yeah, you know, you know, you go into the club, the comedy club, and they're like, it's a two drink minimum. You have a two drink maximum. That's it. Yeah. So that's that's great. That's perfect. Okay. So now you know where to put your mind. Now you know what to put in your mouth. And let's talk about workouts. Can and you say that is, last one one more time? No. Now, now you know what. No. I, I'm, no, I didn't hear you. My headphones didn't work. What'd you say? Now you know what? What? No, no, no. Serious, no seriously. What? No. Why are you turning red? What? No. What you said? You didn't, what's put where? All right. Let's go. In, let's go. Oh man. Let's go into the last and final bullet today, which is what we opened with, which is what Peter Atia talked about. Can you say about. witches one more time? <sighs> the new sport of becoming a kick-ass hundred-year-old. So here's what he said. In short, when you're training, your goal is to protect your joints. Because if you really want to be a hundred year old, I'm still laughing at the other thing, by the way. Oh if God. you still want to, if you want to be a hundred year old, that is going to be kicking ass. If you like, think we're about, not talking about laying in a bed as a centenarian, going, "I made it." You no, know, no, we're and, talking about like, and and he said, you know, he hasn't codified it yet, but you know. Maybe it's your ability to walk up the stairs with two packages might be a test for that, something like that, right? Yeah, so you want, what he said is all of the activities, when you're doing your workouts and you're creating these workouts, you want to do workouts that are gonna maximize the load on the muscle so you get stronger, but minimize the load and joint stress, okay? Which means that if you're at the gym and you're doing squats and yes, squats are great for you, but the the extra 20% that you're gonna get from doing the squats isn't worth the load that you perhaps may be putting on your knees if you're doing it wrong, that is not gonna serve you when you're 100 years old and you're all broken down. I can tell you at 50, everybody I know now has had, either had a shoulder or a knee replaced. What the hell is it gonna be like at 60 and 70? Well, when you extrapolate that, out to 80, 90, and 100 years old, we're going to be like freaking robots, right? We're not going to have anything. And I'll say this, he said, based on the research right now, I mean, obviously you can't prove anything, but we're likely, we're likely going to live, if you're making it to 50 now, you're likely going to be able to make it to 150. If you're 50 years old on 2018, you're likely to make it to 150 years old based on the billion exponential growth that we're making in science and technological advances. So if that's the case, you don't want to be sedentary at 100 years old when you could live to, live to 150. Absolutely. And you know, I remember when I actually started my career in exercise physiology and training people and you know, I had to decide where who I wanted to train. And when I was 20, I was like, oh, I want to train people to get in super great shape. And because I was a fitness competitor and I was like, I want to train competitors and all of that. And then one day in my uh, facility, an older gentleman walked in. His name was Doug. And he changed everything in my perspective of who I wanted to work with. 
because he was an older guy. He had a collapsed lung. He was always on some sort of breathing machine and he wanted to get stronger. He was like 70. He wanted to get stronger, more fit for daily life. So functional activity. And I started to work with him. And you remember this, Rob? Can yeah, he was actually—he was actually was a beautiful guy. Um, and I remember watching him. It kind of because I would work out when you were training him, and I remember that it was one of these like the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I can see this guy sucking, you know, ox like just sucking air, just knowing that he was trying to undo. All of the years of work and lack of exercise and poor diet and giving everything he had because he knew that he was reaching, you know, the the twilight years of his life and he needed to make sure that he was protected from it. And he used you um, as the uh, as as the leverage to get through that. But what was amazing was what we did for workouts was so different than what I did with anybody else. And it was truly to allow him to breathe better, have better circulation, to be able to lift something over his head and put it on a shelf or take a pot off the shelf and put it down for his wife, things like that. And over the years that I trained him, he got in such great health that I think on his 78th birthday or 75th birthday, something like that, he went skydiving. Like that was crazy and amazing and beautiful. I went beautiful. skydiving. All of a sudden your guillotine is gone? <clears throat> yeah. I'm okay, feel, hashtag I'm, man flu. I'm, so, I'm feeling better. But I, so, let me, let me, let me, no, 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 hold on. Let me say this. Cause you just, you, you, you sparked something in me here. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you, got, you got me going. Um, okay. Peter Atia said in the interview, what are you training for? So he said, so many people, I'm not talking about somebody that's trying to do an Ironman right now or a marathon or a 10K or whatever it is. You have a goal and you want to accomplish it. I, I get that. But most people who are going to the gym have no freaking idea what they're training for and they're just showing up and they're doing, you know, trying to lose some weight or whatever it is. And they're just going through these motions. But if you shift that and say, I am training for the decathlon, of being a kick-ass hundred-year-old, then what you do in that room to your point of what you did with that that uh, older gentleman it, it is something that's gonna radically change your life. It is. And so things like this, like here's what you wanna think about. And you know what, if you're 30 or 20 right now and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna be so fine. Know <laughs> that that shit rapidly decreases over time. After 35, your strength, your flexibility, your bone mass, all of these things decrease. So you wanna work toward being stronger, but like I said, protecting the joints, work on your balance and flexibility. And one thing that Rob and I have really taken to over the last six months is lots of yoga because that will strengthen your balance and flexibility. Look at... Um, our uh, justice on the Supreme Court justice. Or, wow, Supreme Court. Um, you know what I learned about that, just, by the way? She just fell, right? Do you know the only person that could be called justice is the Supreme Court? You can't, there's no other person that you can say he's, he or she is a justice. Side note. They're a judge. They're, a judge. They're not a justice. The only justice is on the Supreme Court. Now, I digress. Let's go back to RGB. RGB. So she just fell, right? Well, a lot of people, when they get older, they fall. Why do they fall? Because their balance isn't the same. Their core strength isn't the same. Their flexibility isn't the same. If you think about your grandparents, were they able to get down on the floor and get back up with no help? Or were you having to like hoist them up and, and pull them? Or would they not even get on the floor to play with your kids because they couldn't get back up and they knew it? So the thought here is, 
work on the things that are going to be functional in your life. And you know, a lot of people are like, when I get older, I'm going to travel and yada, yada. Well, you're not going to go very far if you can't walk upstairs, if you can't put your luggage in the overhead, and if you need a breathing machine. So take care of your body, take care of your mind, take care of your diet. And even if you don't live to 100, your life is going to feel longer because you are doing the things to truly live now and be as healthy as you can and be more engaged while you're actually here. Well, we're going to drop the mic on that one. That was fun. I loved it. Um, That's it. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.